In the 21st century, the world searches for answers to the questions that really affect our lives. Does anyone know an anagram for gonad dream? To debate the topics that really matter. Star Trek is in a good place right now. Yeah, I can't agree with you on that one. And be brave enough to state the truth. Movies just don't end that way. Three men dare to face what others fear. James. Oh yeah, I, di- I didn't need that image. Jesse. Uh, I was thinking God or dog. Joe Ash. I want Stan Lee to be the one to wield the Infinity Gauntlet and destroy Thanos. If you hunger for knowledge, if you thirst for wisdom, if you're looking for a podcast that will make all your wildest dreams come true, you've come to the wrong place. You're listening to the Anti-Matter Hour. And punching it, and punch it, and punch at it, and punch it again, and oh. just beat it down until no. it no. submits. No, no, no. And if it and if it and if it says that it doesn't want it, you tell it yes, it is. It's what you no. wanted since you were... no bad. <laughs> Trumpy, Trumpy, <laughs> Trumpy Balboa. Trumpy Balboa says, "Stop it, bad man." <laughs> Trumpy Balboa says, "Stop punching <clears throat> things because that's not what he's about." Huh? Yes. It's all confusing. All of it is confusing and makes no sense, and yet it's appropriate for everything. Sure. Trumpy, right. Trumpy Balboa is the trivia name team name tonight for the simple uh, uh, topical topic du jour of certain a certain person of some prominence photoshopping his head onto Rocky's uh, Sylvester Stallone's body. I'm still a little bit confused. O- oily and muscular body. I'm still a little bit confused because um, obviously Trump didn't use Photoshop himself to do it. <laughs> but the tweet was an original tweet, you, you said? It, it, it appeared to be an original tweet on his Twitter feed. I wonder if it's from the same person that Photoshopped him giving the uh, oh, most, medal to... Mo- most certainly, to the, 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 the dog. SEAL Team dog. Yeah. yeah. So somebody on a taxpayer salary created knows, that image? Knows how to use Photoshop. <gasps> in rudimentary uh, fashion, at least. His son. No. No, there's, there's no chance that anybody with the last name of Trump knows how to use Photoshop. Mm, well, maybe. Mm, maybe. Anyway. It's not, like it's not like it's particularly tricky. I mean, it looks like... Pretty much, it's they not didn't go, exactly they like didn't it go, was masterfully they, done. Yeah, they didn't go far beyond the lasso tool. <laughs> uh, right. Anywho, anyway, S- suffice it to say, what we're referencing is a picture of uh, uh, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky Balboa from. I think I still think it's from uh, Rocky One, yeah, probably. Yeah, with uh, Donald Trump's head placed on his body, and this is something that our president tweeted out recently. Because anyway. that's because that's the world we live in. Why not? But let's talk about other things that are more relevant to us. Yeah, such as uh, trivia. Ooh, pucker face. Having a beer, a sour beer. How about that pu- 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 pucker face? <clears throat> yes. You can't read my pucker face. <laughs> Poker face. <clears throat> there's a song. I don't know the song, but there's a song. Who's a uh, poker face by uh, Lady Gaga? That's yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't remember that. 
can't read to my can't read to my poker face. Poker face. I don't oh, know yeah, how the rest you guys of that goes. We're really good at that. The only reason I know that song is because Weird Al did a um, did a spoof of it. Did you? I thought he did a spoof of. Uh, no, he okay. Nothing. <coughs> it was part of one of his polkas, so it wasn't the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. But in his polkas, he's singing about how he's singing the poker face. Right. Yeah. He did a spoof of uh, Born This Way. He did that. Yes. Anyway, that's the extent of our knowledge, which shows you why we're so ga- why we're so bad at uh, round number two of trivia night, which is always a musical round. <clears throat> Although oh. this time we came close to getting double digits, eight points. An eight point tri- uh, audio round for us is a solid round. We definitely definitely got two points on the uh, um, David Bowie uh, song. Yep, we also knew, uh, well, I guess I knew uh, Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. Yeah, I forgot what the first one was, but we got that one too. We got the first two correct. It was a knife theme round. Yeah. So either the artist name, the song name, or just the lyrics had to do with knives. Which is how we got David Bowie. Right. And uh, the song Butterfly by... Crazy Town. Crazy Town, that's right. That's a fun song from way back in the day. Come, my lady. Come, come, my lady. Yeah. You're my butterfly. Sugar. <laughs> Baby. <laughs> okay, let's not do that again. <laughs> anyway, uh, suffice it to say, we won trivia again. We Again. One of these days, I will compile some metrics slash analytics on our performance on trivia. Uh, I I know without having to do any research into my records that uh, we get first place more often than not, historically speaking. Yeah, <clears throat> but uh, I couldn't tell you the actual percentage at this at this juncture. I don't I don't want to switch uh, venues, but some at some point we might have to uh, to increase the level of competition because we do get uh, first place more than fifty percent of the time. And there's, I know there's other venues that have uh, more challenging competition. Well, it depends on what what our priority is. Is our is our priority to increase our trivia based skills by pitting ourselves against other teams with even even greater trivia background than ourselves, or is it to win so that we can get some money off our tab the following week? For me, it's just a matter of having one thing in my life that I actually am good at. Oh yeah. Oh oh, oh okay. We can uh, anyway. We can. Uh, we can <laughs> no we can, pressure. <laughs> we can we can work at that if you want. Like uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I could use a little help uh, sweeping or vacuuming or something. I could use some help uh, cleaning my bathrooms. I'm I'm not any good at any of those oh, things. Oh God! <laughs> what as luck would as luck would have it? Right. <laughs> Three things that I just I'm not good at. Sorry. <laughs> uh, but we could try some different venues. There's a trivia on the same evening at a different location that we could try at uh, Gigantic Brewing. Right. It's a bit of a right. drive, but we also know somebody who might be willing to participate if oh, yeah. we were to go there. Strengthen our team. My, my uncle slash namesake would, would probably be there because we've done it there with him before. Yeah. Yeah, we could possibly uh add like that sort of 
I don't know what you call it, not demographic, but uh, sort of uh, focus uh, knowledge base of a particular age group or he's he's older than us, so therefore he right. knows, and, he knows and a few. Things. Also has some some different interests, I think. Do you think your Do you think your dad would be willing to join that if if uh, his brother was there, or are they not on speaking terms? Oh, no, I mean they own a business together, so they're definitely on speaking. So they're terms. not on speaking terms. <laughs> which is <laughs> well, I mean, if he would have asked me a few months ago if my dad would ever come to the trivia with us, uh, I'd say probably not. But he's been pretty good at that the last few few months. Yeah. Um. I um. I had my folks on the phone recently. And um, was talking, uh, we had a brief discussion. It was actually during uh, trivia, I think I stepped outside for a couple minutes. And um, uh, we don't, not that we don't talk often enough, but when when they call, I try to accommodate the call. So I answered and we got to talking and I mentioned that we were doing trivia. And there is a trivia um, at the I think it's at the Irish pub at Green Valley Ranch. Uh, that's where uh, my sister works at in Las Vegas, and my my parents live somewhat close to there. Uh, one of my sister's uh, regular customers that I've met before, uh, I know, goes to pub trivia weekly, and uh, the next time I go there, I think we're going to try to make an effort to go to pub trivia. Man. Pub trivia at a good Irish pub would be so nice. Good old fish and chips, Guinness off the draft. Yeah, I'd like to just try it in a different environment than what I'm used to because I'm kind of used to the geeks who drink format and, you know, our local environment. Yeah. But, yeah, it's worth mentioning that we do have some options because we do uh, geeks who drink trivia every week because it's both, you know, a good format and... We we know the the organizer or the organizer of our, our local event and we we like it a lot, but there are a few other trivia options to be had in the uh, Portland area. Uh, I can think of two organized ones that I can think of, and then there's always uh, bars and tap rooms that just spin their own trivia. There's also some one-off kind of special night trivias. Well, all the, all yeah, those I know based. of are also geeks who drink. But they're uh, there's a Stumptown trivia and there's PDX trivia. PDX trivia, yeah. Um, but the the the, th- the really heavily themed ones, the ones that I know of, have always been uh, geeks who drink, and they usually hold hold them on a, a, a an inconvenient night for all of us in downtown Portland. Uh, so we haven't really been doing those. We did we did do the um, the Good Place trivia, yeah, a while back, and that was okay. Uh, we didn't have to go all the way downtown for that one, and I forget what day of the week that even was. Was that a Wednesday or a Thursday? Maybe. Ooh, yeah, I have a hard time remembering. Something remember. like that. Yeah, but the, like the big ones, like a while back, there was one I was kind of eager to do, but it was just too inconvenient. Uh, it was a Nintendo themed trivia, but it was held downtown Portland at the Punch Bowl Sh- Punch Bowl Social. Um, and I think, it, um, was like on a weeknight or something. It was like a bit inconvenient for all of us to go downtown and do it. Um, actually it might've been on a Saturday or something anyway. Uh, but every week I keep my fingers crossed that there will be at least one round dedicated to, 
the one geek area that I haven't seen yet in uh, a, a trivia, and that is James Bond movies. <laughs> yeah. There's been a few uh, – there's been an odd question now and again about James Bond things, but I want a whole round. I mean, <laughs> it's geeks who drink. It's geeks, right? So it should – you know, th- th- there's been several you know, obvious categories of geek trivia over the, the months that we've been doing this. But James Bond hasn't been a primary focus ever. So, And some of the rounds are very obtuse. So you would think that they'd get around to that eventually. Yeah, but even uh, – there's definitely a lot of obtuse rounds, but uh, from time to time, there's a very focused round on on a particular area of geekdom. Right. Uh, usually things like Let me Star Wars. Usually things like Star Wars or Game of Thrones or something, you know, whatever. But not James Bond, not yet. And one day, one day I will get my satisfaction. If 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 they manage to get a James Bond trivia round through, or even if you submitted one and they went with it. Uh, your luck would probably be that it would be used at a different uh, night of the week and, and uh, wasted on a different batch of trivia patrons. Yeah, that would piss me off uh, to um, a degree. Heretofore, H- not hitherto, known. Hitherto unknown, I was going <laughs> to say. <laughs> not a small degree, uh, a significant degree. Better not happen, though. That beer with um, blueberries and cherries is good. Good stuff. Yeah, we finally got around to trying one of our auction beers, of which we still have many r- remaining. This is a Degard special. Do you think it's pronounced Rouge or Rogue? I'd say Rouge, probably. But that's is it R O U G E? Yes, Does that's it Rouge. Look like the color of rogue, the beer. Rogue is R O G U E. Yeah, that's true. All and, right, special it Rouge. It is a it is a wild red ale. So red I guess ale. that makes sense. Color of the ale. Uh, very tart. But very fruity. Yeah, it's good. Good stuff. It's giving me a pucker and a little bit of a, um, little bit of a, um, I have a sensitive uh, esophagus Pal- uh, palate. Yeah, it's giving me a little uh, heat uh, in the esophagus area, but a little burn. It's good. In case it wasn't clear, that's why the whole pucker face thing was happening at the beginning of the episode. <clears throat> because yeah. of this, this what this one beer right here. Well, we also just like we also just like to what each other looks like with our uh, faces puckered up. Kind of like a scrunched up sponge. <laughs> yes. Indeed. So, what's so, new? So, tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Yes, it is. Indeed. Anybody want to talk about any Thanksgiving related topics? Oh, baby. <laughs> I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday for a lot of reasons. But um is one of the reasons the food. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, definitely. Good. It's food, it's family. I mean, it boils down to food and family and football. Um the three Fs. In that order? Mm, I don't know. I mean, it could be you could just shuffle the order. It doesn't matter a whole lot. I guess I'd put family first. Maybe f- a football food then family? But um Family football with food. <laughs> I've uh, <laughs> I've developed a tradition that is uh, sort of derived of my childhood holiday experience at my aunt's house, where amongst a impressive array of foods she would have on hand for the family holiday party, uh, some of the finger foods would be uh, like various 
miniature like pickles and f- different flavors of pickles, uh, different varieties of olives, uh, cheeses and uh, little meats and uh, little miniature breads, as well as uh, other little treats like candies and uh, honey roasted uh, peanuts and and uh, you just roam around the house uh, talking to friends and family you hadn't seen for a while and essentially just shovel food into your mouth constantly for hours on end. And that's kind of one of the things that I remember from childhood. So I've been, I've been reproducing all of those finger foods at the, uh, at the flower shop uh, for other people to, to uh, partake in for the last few Thanksgivings. So we start with that, and then uh, on Thanksgiving Day, of course, uh, there's lots of sporting events, a lot of football games on. I like I like to trek during the day, and uh, I mean that's a tradition, sort of more of an American tradition than a me tradition. The uh, if you're not familiar, I mean most most people's families probably have somebody that watches football, but the NFL has a tradition goes back like. Probably at least, I'd say probably 50 years. I don't know the exact number of years. But the Detroit Lions host a Thanksgiving Day game. And the Dallas Cowboys host a Thanksgiving Day game. Uh, And more recently, they've added a third game that's not the Cowboys and not the Lions. But it's it's an NFL Network game. So now there's three football games that take place on Thanksgiving. And... uh, they have like the tradition where you know the team that wins comes out to the center of the field and like chows down on, like a huge like twenty six pound turkey, and uh, do th- they still do the turducken? Yeah, like the well, that was a Madden thing, I think. Yeah, but they used to always uh, maybe they still do. They used to always have a turducken, which is of course a, a, a duck inside of a uh, chicken, chicken inside of a uh, turkey, and they would uh however the butcher does it they would debone them and wrap the one bird around the other bird and uh, stuff it inside of the third bird and then cook it you know like a roasted or whatever like a low even temperature where it gets all three of the birds you know cooked at the same speed in the same time and you just slice through it and you've got layer upon layer of bird and stuffing and you got stuffing in between them and yeah oh man so yeah, the NFL on Sunday on Thursday uh on Thanksgiving is just a tradition I love to watch. It's yeah, it's about stadium food, it's about the TV crews getting their food plates and and just talking about football, watching football, uh stuffing their face with food, all the players' families are there and it's a it's a great tradition. So I enjoy getting my children to sit down and reenacting the first Thanksgiving where the pilgrims and the uh, indigenous people got together. It was very affable, and a long friendship. Oh, was oh. formed. Was that, that was that one of those movies that uh, inaccurately depicted uh, historical events? <laughs> <laughs> you mean every single movie that ever depicted Thanksgiving? Yes. Right. There are far far fewer screams and uh, blood blood screams and shouts right. than. Uh, I always thought the movie that best depicted Thanksgiving uh, was, uh, you guys ever see, uh, I forget it was if it was the first, I think it was the first one, the, uh, the first Adams Family movie. 
Oh gosh! Where the at one point they send uh, uh, Pugsley and Wednesday off to summer That's camp. That's the second one. The second Adam's one. Family values. values. Yeah, there you go. Adam's Family values. And while at summer camp, they do a play about Thanksgiving. There's some blood involved. Maybe a lot of it. Yep. <laughs> Wednesday's involved with it. Right. Yeah. I think she stabs uh, Pugsley, who's dressed as a turkey or something. Yeah. And there's some blood. I thought that was the best depiction of Thanksgiving. But this this time of year is just great, though, because, I mean, you go from, uh, of course, you have your, you know, ordinary responsibilities, ordinary routines. We have, you know, kids going to school, going to work, um, you know, keeping up, you know, with the whatever the regular routine is. But you, uh, all sorts of other things to squeeze into whatever window of time you have. We have we have tomorrow we have football. We have Thanksgiving dinner. We have uh, trying to trying to trying to drink some alcohol. <laughs> uh, we also have holiday movies, holiday yep. uh, um, things that are a tradition that I watch every year. Like there's certain movies I watch every year. One of them would be Holiday Inn. Uh, one of them would be the Christmas Story. You know all these all these movies. White that, White Christmas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hol- it's a Wonderful Life. Yeah. That we have to Christmas Vacation. We have to meld all this into our existing sort of life. Home Alone. And uh, make time for all of it. But it's but it's you know it's part of it's part of the season. Speaking of which, should we should we just mention? What's coming up here? Yeah, so uh, I can't remember if we've discussed this on the podcast before, but um, apparently one of us hasn't seen Die Hard before. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> what a <laughs> dummy. Uh, and w- the rest of us just can't let that stand. I cannot abide. Can't let another holiday season go by. The, with The dude does not abide. <laughs> Correct. So we'll be doing a... Um, a uh, uh, a Die Hard watch along, yeah. It'll be a, a scenario similar to if you're familiar with something like Riff Tracks or something like that. We're basically we'll be watching the movie. You won't be able to hear it, but we'll be watching it and making comments as we watch it, and then you can uh, use your own legally purchased copy of Die Hard and. Start it at the same time that we do, and you can listen to us watch it, and you can listen to me watch it for the first time. That's right. It's Josh. Josh is the one who hasn't I, seen Die Hard. It's me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't do it. So it'll be a bunch of uh, Jesse well, and myself It'll be a bunch comments. of pointing, of la- pointing and laughing. <laughs> yeah, we'll be pointing and laughing yeah, at you. We're going to love it. <laughs> uh, and we'll be commenting it. on things that, uh, that we've appreciated after. Well, this is like... I mean, I've seen it a few dozen times, isn't that? Yeah, about that. Yeah, about that, yeah. Um, so it'll be an interesting dichotomy of uh, experiences in this uh, in this yeah. episode. So that being the case, that's something that um, everyone that listens to this podcast can look forward to as your Christmas tradition. Right. In fact, yeah, you can make listening to our podcast about Die Hard your own tradition. Your, yes, Exactly. Every year. Indeed. Yep. And maybe we'll even like share uh, um, something uh, extra special like our favorite uh, holiday pie recipe or something. Well. To go along with the movie. I mean, I won't be doing that, but you know, feel free. 
Okay. We should have some holiday pie, some roasted chestnuts. What exactly is a holiday pie? I mean, Thanksgiving is all about pumpkin pie, but we're talking about Christmas here. Pumpkin yeah. pie would be pecan or yeah, uh, pecan. Uh, cherry, apple. apple. Yeah. Um, speaking of roasted chestnuts, uh, we also have the ale festival on the coming up soon. Right. Indeed. One so of the one of the one of the food vendor booths always sells uh, like warm roasted holiday nuts. There it seems like. And you've got your your uh, very colorfully named beers and ciders. Yeah, of all the, of all the beer festivals in the Portland area, the Holiday Ale Festival has the ones with the best names. I think. Yeah. Beca- probably because most beers slash ciders available at this fest um, are one-off, creative, experimental type things. What was it two years ago you and I went, and what was the one where it was just, it was called like the cat peed on the Christmas tree? It had a long name. It was something about the cat peed on the Christmas tree and something about shorting out the Christmas lights. (laughs) (laughs) It was a long name. It was essentially just like a bunch of their leftover beers that they kind of blended and just thought, hey, let's come up with something weird. Sounds really delicious. Well, based on the list of the beers slash ciders, let me interrupt myself here to say that this is the one fest where I feel like cider is okay because cider... Oh, thanks. You're not welcome. (laughs) I I feel like cider has been making an intrusion into the beer festivals in Portland of late. But a holiday ale festival, yeah, cider's fine, I guess. It's more of a holiday drink to me. Especially since they're uh, the, the first, well, at least the first one I saw on the, the tap list says that it's served warm. Yeah, I, I think that's probably the main reason why you see more ciders in the holiday or in the winter ale festivals, just because ciders are, are, are more, I mean, a lot of times they can be served warm, whereas beer, you don't really serve beer warm. No, uh, some people drink some beers at room temperature. Not me, but some people do. Yeah. Uh, But in terms of warm drinks, yeah, warm cider is not bad, especially on a cold evening. So I think it fits. But going back to what I was about to say, uh, they've released the list of drinks available at the Holiday Ale Festival. And it seems like the the most – there's a bunch of creative names, but I think uh, to me, uh, just glancing over it, the most most common – Name uh, naming convention was based off of nuts. Yeah, <laughs> there are a bunch of nut-based uh, names, uh, including the one I'm looking mo- the most forward to is simply just based on the name alone. I don't know what else is involved, but it, it is a, it is a cider. Yes, and again, that's fine. These nuts. No, that one's not not available this time. Oh, uh, that's something else. There oh. is. <laughs> oh, Are you sure? These nu- these nuts are not available. No, not these nuts. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was misinformed. These nuts are available for a limited time only. No, these nuts While are supplies uh, last. These nuts are available on a um, uh, on-demand basis. First come, first serve. No. No, not not these nuts. Oh. What are we talking about now? What about these? <laughs> Sorry, the, there was a. I think there was a beer or cider you were about to uh, uh, t- talk about was before I so uh, rudely 
uh, I think it was called the uh, the Nuts Insider. Yeah, Nuts Insider. I barely know her. Right. <laughs> Very sexist name. <laughs> Despite that, I'm looking forward to trying it. Yeah, clever clever names. Uh, big a lot of big boozy uh, beers available. Barrel aged beers, uh, uh, seasonal uh, like Imperial Stouts and Imperial IPAs. Uh, beers that are. Uh, aged on uh, fruit or berries um this is definitely a uh, we may have mentioned this previously but this is definitely a festival that you want to nurse the samples that you get because if you down them too quickly you're gonna you're not gonna be there for very long <laughs> yeah the alcohol content of the beers available here are higher than it, it, any other beer fest that i go to during the year yeah it's it's a uh, it's definitely a uh destinative driver or uh Hired driver uh, event. Uh, most of the beers are going to be in the eight, eight and a half to fourteen percent range, somewhere in there, which is pretty wide range. But all, all of the above is quite, you know, high in ABV. So that's coming up soon. Yeah. So last major beer event of the year. I mean, I'm, there's a handful of others, I'm sure, but this is the last major one. Last fest that I that I plan to go to. I'm hoping for a cold, uh, but cozy night. Uh, uh, possibly, you know, it, it would be great if it was like a snowy night in Portland and uh, could have kind of that winter vibe. But I have my own reasons for not wanting that, but I agree that would make the event itself feel more cozy. But for things that are happening outside of that event, that would kind of like make things difficult. You mean for the half marathon that you're going to be running? Yeah, I gotta squeeze in this fest uh, appearance, appearance uh, <laughs> visit. Um, uh, in between two half marathons, I have left to do. Yeah, uh, which I'm doing on back to back days. Yikes! Um, Yikes! But I've uh, I've done I've combined drinking and running before, so I think I can pull it off. <laughs> What's I, how could that possibly go wrong? Once you get to a certain point during a race like this, you just your brain turns to autopilot, <laughs> and you, yeah, it, it's it's fine. It, it it'll be fine, I'm sure. Hopefully, probably, maybe. This is the way. Oh man. Oh my gosh. So, we mentioned this. We we talked about the Mandalorian briefly, the last episode but we didn't get into the spoilers because it had just come out but now i feel like it's okay to delve into into the show proper and we're all caught up right we all watched all three episodes that have come out mm-hmm. yeah we have but let's just make it really blatant we're, we're about to discuss the mandalorian if you haven't seen it it's about to get spoiled yeah and what are you doing with your life <laughs> I mean, really, come on now. Where are yeah. your priorities What's at? going on? <laughs> it's like per- you haven't pretty, even... It's pretty like simple. Uh, $6.99 if you just want to get to Disney. Yeah. And if you do if you do Hulu uh, at the uh, at the five ninety nine level, you might as well do twelve ninety nine. You get Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus. So Is that what you're doing, Josh? No, because uh, my... My wife and my daughter still watch a lot of stuff on Netflix. Otherwise, I would say be on with Netflix and do and do those other three because it's the same price. But I, d- I just asked because I 
I'm also not doing that, although I thought it was a good deal, except I don't like commercials even just a little bit. Sure. So I'm, I'm paying for the Hulu without commercials. Right. You, you can get, though, that's what I have. Uh, and when you sign it up with your, uh, like, whatever, your Disney Plus account or whatever, it just basically just takes $7. It gives you a $7 statement credit on your regular Hulu plan. Oh. Oh, wow. Okay. Because it's like, I think that's the price of the basic Hulu plan, six ninety nine or whatever. It's something like uh, that. So, because I noticed that before, uh, I was doing um, Hulu Live, no commercials. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, we got a $7 discount on that when I signed up with Disney Plus, but w- with Hulu or whatever. Um, but I switched away from uh, getting away from live because they just raised the price on another ten dollars. It's gone up fifteen dollars since. Uh, grief. Um, it's basically the price of a cable package now. You might so. as well do. <laughs> you might as well do YouTube TV. Yeah, I don't know how much difference the price is, but YouTube uh, TV I think is forty five. Oh, that's ten dollars. Uh, Hulu's up to fifty five uh, for live TV, and it gives you all those. Well, anyway, I could go into it, but yeah. But yeah, Mandalorian. Um, Good stuff. Yeah. I th- I mean, I was so hyped for that. I've been hyped for that show for a couple months now, ever since they started showing trailers for it. And there was a real part of me that was scared that the trailers were being manipulated, as they often are in some cases, to make it seem like it was a show of a particular kind and brand and, and style but it was going to be something very different than that. But no, it's not. It's exactly what they, it's exactly what the trailers make it seem like, which is everything I wanted it to be. And I feel like I need to say one thing real quickly. I have given lost crap in the past because of how it was, you would have lost episodes that were, very focused on the mysteries of the show. And then it, you would have a break where you would have an episode that was not about that, but was more about some sort of character development or something along those lines. And uh, I would be, I would be upset by that, but it was interesting how <clears throat> episode one, there was a lot of setup. And I feel like episode two was one of those episodes where not a tremendous amount was paid off, but it was kind of a, it, it was almost like a side quest kind of a thing. We're talking about Ma- The Mandalorian now, right? Yes. Right. Not lost. No. How episode one of The Mandalorian was a lot of setup. And then episode two, there was kind of a side quest sort of situation where not a, it didn't it didn't delve into a lot of the mysteries but it was just kind of a an you know he goes off and does something different and there's a little bit more character development between him and and uh, and the child and and then it goes back to more story elements in episode 3 so i just kind of found myself being like why do i like that but i don't like lost and i feel like my ideas of what lost are are very jaded by kind of a personal opinion about how the show ended and that sort of thing, as opposed to looking at it objectively, I guess. I like that you brought up Lost in comparison with The Mandalorian, because I like both shows. <laughs> <laughs> but The Mandalorian, the thing I like about it is that it doesn't try to cram in 
bunch of action and drama at every every opportunity. It's like the like, it's like the spaghetti westerns, uh, um, where you know, I think in the last episode, uh, nobody says a word for like ten minutes or something, so, something like that. It was the it, it it was also in the second episode where the first half of the episode, no dialogue is spoken. Right. And so it it proceeds at its own pace. It doesn't it, it isn't one of those shows that tries to maintain a quick pace just to appeal to a particular audience. I think it, right. It maintains the pace that is appropriate for the story it's trying to tell. Yeah. Um, and I like that because it just sort of while there's n- you know while there's no particular action happening on screen, it just sort of lets you soak in the the world that it's presenting. And that uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun for me too. Uh, I was looking forward to it the last couple of weeks when uh, the episode aired. Um, I'd, I'd say I'm pretty much in agreement with my first appraisal of the show. That uh, it seems like it was made for a broadly, uh, I'd say, juvenile and young adult audience, which. Which naturally spreads into you know adulthoods and fans of the the genre, um, but it's not it's not by any stretch. I think at the beginning, before any of it aired or any trailers dropped or anything, I think some people were thinking this is going to be a high drama, a like gritty, dark yes, sort of yes, like yeah. a Game of Thrones style of uh, TV sh- series, and that's not at all what it is. But they've done well uh, with it. Um, I think I'm uh, uh, very nearly uh, uh, almost unhealthy to a degree in love with the the baby Yoda. <laughs> uh, and you're uh, not the only one. Trust I mean, me. Uh, there's some pacing uh, issues. It's not. Uh, it's not like they're building up a uh, uh, you know like a dramatic plot. Uh, uh, you know, it's it's. There's definitely you know some questions that you want answered and, and they're going about it, uh, you know, it, it, taking their time going about it. Uh, so I just don't know where we'll be by the end of the season, but, um, but I have enjoyed it to this point. Uh, it's, it's in my TV rotation, which is extremely crowded right now. Well, what's interesting to me is, I mean, one thing that's nice, the, um, oh, what's her name? The the woman that uh, oh, that directed the last episode. Oh, I can't remember her name. That's right. Each episode. Oh well, what it's not the different director. It's not the director of the entire Star Trek, or I mean Star Wars initiative at Sony, or I mean at Disney, right? No, no, it's not Kathleen Kennedy. No. Um, I wanna I wanna make sure that I credit her. Appropriately, is that? It's not Deborah Chow, is it? Yes. Yeah. So, <coughs> Deborah sure. Chow. She's actually going to be. I don't know if she's directing all the episodes or going to be a showrunner, but she is. She is heavily involved with the upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi series. That's going to be on Disney Plus. 
Yeah, I I've heard, heard a thing that. or two about that, but I wasn't sure how far along that was. It's pretty far in development. Mm. It's it's already been filmed. Um, I think it's in post production at this point. But uh, but that gave me some hope that 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 series had some good direction with it too. So that was good to hear. She's doing. I think she's doing at least one more episode of this season. Um, as the director. But I feel like they've I feel like w one of the things that's been nice is that they've had at least two different directors so far. And there's and, and while you can tell there's differences, the overall theme and style, I feel like, is still fairly unified. Do you think that the people behind The Mandalorian, um, John Favreau and Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni are sort of using it as a proof of concept? to uh, convince Disney that this sort of thing is possible and to allow shows like the Obi-Wan Kenobi series to move forward? I don't know if I'd say... If, I don't know if I would say that they're using it as a proof of concept only because, excuse me, about a week ago, Jon Favreau was being asked about season two of The Mandalorian. And he said at that point that he he had just like from that interview who he had he had just come from directing season two, and that it was nearing post production, so I feel like Disney's already bought into that concept. <clears throat> Part of me wonders if in the next year or so we don't hear about Kathleen Kennedy being moved to a different part of Disney and John Favreau being moved in as the new head of Star Wars at that point. Just because it feels like there's such a resurgence of appreciation for Star Wars from what the Mandalorian is doing. I don't know. Well, yeah, it, yeah, ever since Disney acquired Star Wars or, or Lucasfilm, um, people have been concerned about what's going to happen with the future of Star Wars. The you know two re, uh, the last two Disney well, there's been more than two. The la the, the the movies produced under Disney's um, stewardship stewardship, I guess, have been met with some criticism in yeah. terms of their quality. Um, we all have our own thoughts on that, but suffice it to say, there's some controversy. Well, not just that, but there's also been there's been a, a few creators that have come and gone very quickly without anything being produced. Which is one of the issues. Uh, Star Wars is one of those franchises that has to transcend any one uh, content creator, yeah. any one director, any one writer, any one whatever. But on the on the same to by that same token, um, in order for it to achieve the kind of commercial success that Disney wants, it's got to have some central guiding principle behind right. it. And I don't know that we've seen that yet. Uh, Disney has sort of shied back from the standalone Star Wars movies, like the Solo, the Solo movie, and, I, Ro and Rogue One. Uh, I thought Rogue One. I thought both. I thought they were all pretty good. I think Solo wasn't met with the critical success that they wanted it to have. I think what happened was Disney bought Lucasfilm and said. And said after, especially after the success of um, The Force Awakens, they said, all right, let's get in on this. And they 
put together a slate of movies similar to what they had done with, say, Marvel movies. Right. And they put together a whole bunch. And all of a sudden, especially after, you know, Rogue One did okay, but not as well as they had hoped for a movie that had Star Wars on it, Mm -hmm. especially after the reception of um, The Last Jedi and the fact that they had already slated for a trilogy to be put together by... Ryan, what's his name? The guy, or something Ryan, the guy who directed. Ryan Wilson? Ry- is that his name? Ryan Johnson? Ryan Johnson. Johnson. Um, Ryan Johnson. They, you know, after last, before The Last Jedi came out, they signed him up to do a trilogy with Star Wars, and I don't know where exactly that is as far as if it's still going to happen or not, but after The Last Jedi, there was kind of a, there was, you know, Bob Iger basically came out and said, hey, we're going to slow things down with Star Wars right now because I feel like there was some questions about whether the stewardship under Kathleen Kennedy was was being properly done because it wasn't bringing in as much money as they were hoping to with as much money as they were putting into it. Especially considering that they spent four and a half billion dollars buying the IP to begin with. Well, I think they learned that they can't handle the Star Wars franchise the same way they handle the Marvel franchise. It's a different, different entity. That, and I think also just the fact that I don't, I think that. So Kathleen Kennedy was someone who worked under Lucas and under Spielberg for decades. And she was basically handpicked by Lucas to be the successor of the of the franchise. And I don't know exactly what to what level her being the producer in charge was a part of the deal, but it was heavily implied that if Lucas was to sell the franchise that she would be the one that was kind of in charge of it. And so that happened. And I don't I don't uh I'm I'm not someone who thinks that Kathleen Kennedy is out there to ruin Star Wars for what it was. I just don't know if her if her ability to choose talent to make Star Wars films and to help kind of foster that has shown as much success as what Kevin Feige has done with Marvel. Because the one thing that Kevin Feige has done is he's been able to oversee kind of a singular vision and then choose talent, choose the appropriate talent to bring about the movies that kind of align with that vision and done it well. And I don't know if Kathleen Kennedy has done that. And so the and so I'm wondering if Favreau is going to show that through his ability to choose different directors to direct all the episodes of The Mandalorian, if that makes sense. Well, that's what I was sort of getting at. Uh, you know, it seems like uh, in, uh, after the acquisition of you know, Disney and Star Wars, there was a direction, and it seemed like Disney has pulled back from that a bit. And now th- that was a while ago, and now we have the Mandalorian, and now I'm wondering if this is representative of their new sort of direction with the Star Wars franchise. N- I don't mean you know TV versus movies. I mean just sort of just the, in general, just sort of the feeling of the content they're producing. I wonder yeah. if, if if the Mandalorian is successful, and it, by all accounts it appears to be, and if it continues to be successful, um, 
in in a few weeks, episode nine, Star Wars episode nine, the movie will come out to end the you know so called uh, the Skywalker saga. I'm, I'm look. I'm thinking what happens next with Star Wars. I'm wondering if it's more right. of what we're seeing with the Mandalorian. I'm wondering if the next movie to take place after Episode Nine will be more like the Mandalorian versus m- the Last Jedi. Yeah, and I, I hope that's the case. Uh, I could see the uh, TV series, including like the upcoming Obi Wan Kenobi series, having different uh, sort of I don't know vibe, but different. Uh, thematic and uh storytelling sort of structures because uh um J- John Favreau is a talented uh director and screenwriter but i think they're probably at this point because of the the uh importance of this these properties to Disney and Disney Plus the launch of the service they're probably basically just executing marching orders basically at this point from kathleen kennedy and bob Iger. probably almost i'd say almost my hunch would be almost directly i've heard a few interviews with bob Iger where he hasn't spoke specifically about you know specifics of the series but it sounds like he's very hands-on at this point that wouldn't surprise me only because <clears throat> regardless of what happens a lot of a lot of the success of Star Wars is going to or a lot of his individual uh like how people view his tenure yeah is going to be based off of Star Wars yeah because 4 and a half billion dollars was still a lot to yeah. pay for that IP and if it if it doesn't come back as being a profitable purchase, that's right. going to reflect poorly on him. But so. but but also just because I think Disney Plus is the tent pole. That's uh, yeah. I mean uh, not Disney Plus. Uh, the Mandalorian's the tent pole that for Disney that props Plus. up Disney Plus. Yeah, Disney Plus is the tent pole that uh, that's propping up Disney as a company and a stock. Uh, um, so it's sort of a I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a House of Cards. That implies that it's all could come crashing down but but they're very interconnected and, and, and very important uh properties to keep the company humming along yeah um and so especially what comes after the mandalorian yeah so i mean maybe like uh, i don't remember who said but maybe it would have something very similar to the mandalorian as far as a, a feel and a concept but again maybe i'm circling back to maybe my initial thoughts of Oh, the Mandalorian is going to be like a prestige television where it's, uh, you know, the the super high production value, uh, super, uh, you know, in-depth plot and writing and, and uh, um, you know, more akin to like an HBO series. Uh, As I, HBOs you can get with Disney. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe it won't be, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a more... Uh, you know, like like, like you said, more a, a grittier version of Star Wars again. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that the next Star Wars movies are going to have the same pacing and feel as the Mandalorian, only because the Mandalorian has the has the privilege of being out over. Well, I guess it's only let's see if it's about a half hour per episode over eight episodes. That would be four hours. 
so I guess it's not that much longer than a movie. But all the same, um, I feel like because it has multiple seasons to be able to build on each other, it has the privilege of having that a bit of a slower pace than, say, a movie would. Um, especially because typically you're going to have at least a year and a half, maybe two years between movie releases. Um, well, I still feel that um, The Mandalorian can serve as just one piece of the foundation of the new generation of Star Wars. Yeah. Um, th- uh, hopefully the uh, Obi-Wan series will be successful too, and hopefully they'll continue to do a few more Star Wars series. They might find themselves getting into a little bit uh, muddy uh, waters if they have too many series going that cover too many different time periods or something like that, but... Um, if they produce several Star Wars series, each of which uh, they can they can have different you know vibes, different yeah, different. Um, fe- I think each one to have its own identity. Sure, yeah. uh, but as long as they're all produced with a, s- a similar level of quality, and with, uh, with with some thought put into how they fit into the overall the the new slash you know current Disney vision for the Star Wars universe. Yeah, pa- but past pre- uh, past, present, and future. <laughs> Which is a bit of a weird thing to say for a fictional universe, I suppose. <laughs> um, uh, as long as the, the effort to make them all coherent and con- you know connecting, or at least they don't the, the, the plot lines don't have to connect uh, as long. Uh, but they, uh, um, they, they could be separate. But if they do ha- if they do touch on points that are related, then they should you know not conflict with each other. Yeah, uh, I think one thing that I'm hoping for, and I think uh, HBO in particular, um, and a few other shows and other cable networks has done is that uh, the ability to to make a statement with the show as far as this is the way the show is and it's not formulaic as you would find in normal network television and we're going to run with that. Um, you know, for The Mandalorian, I think it is, I think it's the pacing, the fact that it is very slow you have little dialogue. Your protagonist says very little, and and as of yet, and and maybe I don't know if he will this season take his helmet off. You may not see his face. I think he'll do it once at the end of the season, probably. But just the fact that as of yet, you've got three episodes and you haven't seen his face. Very little dialogue. Different things like that, where the show is saying, "Hey, we're not, you know, we're not going to stick to convention on things. We're, we're we're willing to take a risk and." and kind of go all in on it and in certain areas. And I feel like that's something that, you know, if you watch the first few seasons of game of Thrones or you watch the Watchmen, um, you know, those shows are willing to kind of do that and say, we're going to tell the story in the way we want to tell it and kind of go in all in on that. That kind of boldness, I think pays, pays dividends. Who watches the Watchmen? Right. Well, I do. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, you know, I mean, even silly things like if you watch The Mandalorian, when he walks, he he has spurs. He doesn't, but you hear the ching, 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 ching. And it's probably, it could be, you know, whatever it is that he's got on his legs. But the fact that they're able to pull that off and not have you go, what's all that about? But have it just kind of fit in with with what's going on. Well, I think yeah, it's been well done. I think the, the one of the biggest factors about the Mandalorian success is the fact that um, 
uh, Baby Yoda is a uh, puppet. And yeah. no, nobody's complaining about that. Every, yeah. Everybody's like, oh, we're on board with this. This is the right way to go. Yeah. I think I, I heard, I don't know if this is true, but I read somewhere that uh, uh, they were, I mean, they were considering at one point maybe doing a CG Yoda instead. And like Werner Herzog basically said, uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> did you okay. hear, did you hear the interview <laughs> with him where he's like, we saw the baby Yoda on set. And my heart was broken. Listening to him talk about Baby Yoda is the most bizarre thing. <laughs> so, <laughs> what was I gotta ask? What was? Uh, give me a minute to think about it. But think about your favorite part of the first three episodes so far. Uh, and um, I think uh, I'll, I'll give you a minute to think. I'll, I'll mention mine. I think uh, mine, I believe, is um, probably. Um, Either uh, Baby Yoda, uh, I'll, I'll give three brief ones, but it'll all be the same sort of theme. Uh, Baby Yoda uh, trying to fix his arm wound uh, and sort of crawling out of the um, cradle. Uh, Baby Yoda uh, playing with the uh, joy, the shift knob on in the ship in the spaceship. And uh, Baby Yoda eating the frog or whatever it was. Uh, you just named <laughs> the same three that I was thinking of. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, it's funny. It's funny. Well, I think the best scene, which I think was basically the last scene of episode three, was the, the, you know after the, the Mandalorian went back to go get Baby Yoda after dropping him off, and he's back on the ship now. Uh, you know, he looks over. And then he, he takes the knob off the thing and give, it actually hands it to Baby Yoda. Yeah. Right, yeah. Who, who had wanted to play with it earlier, and he said, you know, no. Not no. a toy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, also, I also have a, a per particular affinity for uh, uh, disintegrations. Uh, yes. The, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it is a little, bit on a, a little bit on the cruel side to just walk up. Of course, you know, you know the uh, nature of Jawa's and uh disintegrate like four jawas that are just basically <laughs> just pillaging your ship uh uh not to mention you like throw a couple off of the yeah with, with sand crawler without but without even a question without even like walking up and pointing uh and saying freeze right there buddy uh i mean that's kind of like the hands up don't shoot uh kind of thing well i mean i think I, I, that's one of the things i like is that is that the mandalorian is not he's not a lawful good character He's a chaotic good character. He's we're getting into D D stuff here. Yeah, I guess <laughs> so. To think of it, he he's a he's good at heart, but he he's unscrupulous about how he achieves that good thing. So he's not necessarily someone who you know like in the old in the old like swashbuckling movies, the hero if if he disarmed the villain, the hero would like take his sword and throw it at the guy because he wanted to have a fair fight. I don't think the Mandalorian would necessarily worry about having a fair fight. Well, I remember that scene where uh you know he's I think he, I think he had already uh, acquired Baby Yoda after in infiltrating the uh Empire, the Remnant, whatever they are, their their little yeah. base. And he uses was it the Whispering Birds? Was that what it is? The yeah, the Whistling Whis Birds. Whistling, whistling birds. birds, yeah. Yeah, so he just basically eliminated them and kept going. Um, yeah, there was. Uh, I don't know if there's been any other examples of this, but there was at least one 
uh, solid example I liked of how they it was what I referenced just a minute ago how but how they referenced uh, how they had tied the uh, show into uh, uh, movie you know the original movie canon and uh, um, I just rewatch I think I mentioned earlier I just rewatched the first uh, episodes four five and six and is it in episode five when uh, Darth Vader is putting the bounty on uh, Han Solo I think uh, and uh, he's got the bounty hunters lined up and I think yeah. they're in the Imperial Star Destroyer they're in yep. the Star Destroyer and he's telling him uh, and he looks over at uh, Boba Fett and says no disintegration." no disintegration. <laughs> I was just thinking about that scene and I was going to say the same thing it's a connection between the Mandalorian right. and the original song yeah. right. I can't think oh. if there's been any other particular examples of that except well, i was except hoping for, to make it back for life day uh, except, no, oh except for of course um uh i guess i guess you could count the sand crawler and the jawas as a continuate sort of a um a connection because you don't know how the sand crawler got to that planet but uh but the jawas and the sand crawler are essentially you know just plucked right out of uh, episode four. Well, that and a lot of the favorite moves that the Mandalorian have are callbacks to Bubba Fett. The flamethrower. The flamethrower, flame the grappling hook. Both of them are. the All of the Mandalorians having jetpacks <laughs> at the end of well, episode except three. For, except for Mando. Right. And he, he looks over at the guys saluting him as he leaves. He says, I got to get me one of those. Yeah. Which is, uh, <laughs> which is, I mean, that's just a John Favreau uh, uh Iron, what is that? Uh, what's the name of? It's not Iron Man, but the other one. The Iron Patriot. Iron or, Patriot. Or the... That's a callback to him, because in the first Iron Man, as uh, as Brody, not Brody, uh, Rhodes. 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 As Rhodes Rhodes is walking in, he looks at the silver Iron Man. Who's I gotta get me one of those? Oh. Or no, something he, like he that. He says next time. Oh, baby. next time, baby. Yeah, something um, along those lines. But I, want, I wonder though. Uh, I do have to wonder though. Something that I wonder about this show, the plot within the show, is what exactly is Mando, this Mandalorian's background? Because he's initially referred to in the first episode before we know about how many other bounty hunters there are. And, and he's initially referred to by Grief Karga as the best and referred to this job as the best. Um which who knows? Maybe uh, Warner Herzog is saying the same thing to every bounty hunter that comes into his parlor. Oh, you're the best. You were sent to me as the one I got to talk to. Uh, uh, but uh, what is his real status? Uh, did he just get lucky, or is he really the best? If he's the best, why doesn't he already have good Beskar armor and a jetpack? So or a sigil. So right. I think. So it's a couple different things because he's the best bounty hunter in the parsec, which uh, f- forgive my nerdiness. Sure, it's like a county or yeah. Uh, parsec is a it's a it's a it's an area of space. So he's the best bounty hunter within this zone or whatever. I think he is differentiated only because Beskar is a very rare metal, and I doubt that that. The client, as Werner Herzog's uh, character is known, the client would have given out 
an ingot of Beskar to every bounty hunter that went in there because it's pretty much implied that every bounty hunter on that planet was given that bounty. Mm-hmm. And, and Grief, uh, what's his last name? Grief Karga. Karga. Grief Karga got his own bounty or of, uh, yeah. of Beskar, Beskar for so referring. Maybe, maybe not yeah. everyone valued it equally, though. He may have just given them like a, a significant down payment of, in cash and that's, or something. That's true. That's true. But the fact that he... that. The Mandalorian received Beskar yeah. seems to differentiate himself to to yeah. a certain degree. Also, the fact that at the beginning of at the beginning of the first episode, he comes back with four bounties, and Grief Karga's like, "Oh, you got all these at once? That was quick, you know." And the fact that when he when Grief Karga is listing out the bounties that he has left, he lists four, and the Mandalorian's like, "I'll take all four. And he's like, "Well, wait a minute. There's other yeah." Bounty hunters that are here, that sort of thing. So right. the fact that he's the best bounty hunter means that he's good as a bounty hunter, but I don't know that he's necessarily... Although the interesting thing is that even though he doesn't have a sigil, when he when he hands in the ice cream maker <laughs> of, of uh, Beskar Steel, the armorer says a... Full. I don't. Does she say chest plate or what does uh, she say? Curus. A full. A full. Yeah. A full curus would be befitting of your station. Are the words that she uses? Well, that that's one of the things that makes the Mandalorian so great and old school Star Wars so great is that they don't bother to explain everything. They leave yeah. a lot of things to your interpretation, and in this case. It's a uh, hint. There's some, there's some things that are hinted at, and I'm sure we'll get some explanation in future episodes. But it seems like the Mandalorian is still working his way up through whatever ranks, in quotes, the uh, Mandalorian religion right. yeah. culture has. So, from what I from what I know, Mandalorians were not originally humans. They were originally an alien race from the planet Mandalore. No, they landed on the planet Mandalore. Oh, so the transplants themselves. Yes, okay. because because the first leader of their culture was named Mandalore, and he named the planet after himself, and the Mandalorians were all named based on them following him. But it was an alien race. I can't remember what it is. But eventually, what ended up happening is that to become a Mandalorian, you didn't have to be a specific race. It was more along the lines of, you followed this specific religion and culture and were kind of inducted into the Mandalorian way. And so a couple times in the first and the second episode, they talk about foundlings. And I don't know for certain, but I have a feeling what that means is that if if you are a child or a young adult or something like that, you may be inducted into the ways of the Mandalorian. Yeah. And, and I think that's what happened with him because what you see through those flashbacks is I'm guessing it's him being hidden in a compartment by his parents who are being attacked by separatists. And the reason I know that is because the, the droid that you see at the end that is, pointing its arm gun at him is a, is a super droid from the um from the prequel movies from the prequel movies but they were part of the separatist army but he also at one point uh the first time he meets up with the 
uh, unnamed Mandalorian, the woman, armorer, the armorer. He, uh, he says that he was a foundling once, right? So that's yeah, that's and how it's he got and him. it's important to him to support the foundlings. I, I have a feeling like maybe that's kind of why he has a certain affinity to Baby Yoda, mm-hmm. because he sees a bit of himself as far as this lost child that's kind of abandoned and unprotected, that sort of thing. Yeah. <gasps> what if the child became a Mandalorian? Well, there's that, uh, and well, I, I've seen a comic about that. There's, it's funny. There's that, but also I think uh, you just mentioned his uh, affinity, uh, but I think it's also partly because he feels like a, a, a debt to Baby Yoda. Oh, also. because he saved his life. Yeah, already. That uh, could be. I and, didn't think about that. So there was that, uh, and one other thing is that. I think what you guys might be referring to, maybe you're referring to the comic uh, and you're referring to the baby Yoda being a foundling potentially. Yeah. Um, there's a theory floating around out there that the Mandalorian, the title of the series might refer to uh, baby Yoda. Oh, the child as becoming a man, the Mandalorian. And he might be the Mandalorian instead mm. of, instead of Mando. Yeah. I saw somebody, uh, I, unfortunately I don't know who, uh, who the artist was, but I did see uh, somebody posted a webcomic on the internet of <laughs> be, uh, Baby Yoda, or no, it was, it was basically 500 years after The Mandalorian. Right. Where Yoda's dressed as a Mandalorian, and this guy <laughs> comes to hassle him, and he just you know, shoots out these flamethrowers and burns him to alive. <laughs> and then he says something about uh, difficult the ways the Mandalorian are. <laughs> so uh, how uh, just... The way it is. Maybe, <laughs> maybe my last thought about the show, uh, uh, or question, not even thought, but how, how old do you think a uh, a Yoda species is before they're out of the cradle and uh, essentially into at least adolescence or before they before they've dropped? Is before, that what you're before, saying? Before they're communicative <laughs> and uh, like be, well, because uh, Master Yoda. Uh, was roughly 900 years old and had been training Jedi for 800 years, uh, almost, he said, at some point. So you have to assume that by the time they're 100 years old, they're you know fluent and self-sufficient. Uh, uh, I, I'm still expecting a, a scene is c- uh, coming up where Baby Yoda you know, actually speaks and, and is proves... He 50, 55? He's, he's like 50-something <laughs> and, uh, and proves that he's not actually a baby. He's just... You know, hasn't bothered speaking Stunted because stunted growth. My diaper needs changing. It does. Well, it's like uh, when uh, Luke met Yoda for the first time. He didn't really let on. Uh, he didn't let on what he was. He, he pretended to be a, uh, a, cra- a crazy, weird hermit yeah. guy. Yeah. And then uh, later revealed himself to be a, a Jedi master. I, I kind of, I, I kind of hope that Baby Yoda reveals himself later to be. Well, he, he he's too young to be a, a master yet, but just you know. Yeah, I can talk. Yeah, I, I can talk this whole time. I don't know. I just <laughs> <clears throat> the reason I don't think that's going to happen is because um, the show seems to be drawing inspiration from uh, an old, uh, not anime, an old old wooden ship What's named it? Diversity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we, we need a soundboard so I can do like a <laughs> a sound effect, maybe like. <laughs> Random callback. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's going to take me a second to get back from that one. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, what are the what are the Japanese comic books? They're not anime. Manga. Manga, thank you. From an old manga that's called The Wolf and the Cub. 
where a disgraced samurai is made to kind of regain his honor by being a hired assassin, but he has a three-year-old son that he has to carry with him everywhere. And so there, there's a lot of thought that maybe it's drawing inspiration from that, which makes me think that, that Baby Yoda's not going to speak just because that might add a kind of a, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, you're probably right, but I'd still like to see that just, you know, just to throw a wrench in the gears, I guess. Just Okay, <laughs> I lied. I lied. Sorry. Uh, steering the conversation here a little bit. Uh, how, who knows how many episodes are scheduled for the season? Is it eight? Uh, oh, only eight. Eight. So will the, because I theorized earlier on, I think after the first episode, that the helmet will not come off. Do you think the helmet will come off still? I think it will because it's Pedro Pascal under there. We got to see him at w- at one point. I think that I think that the end of the se- uh, that the end of this season is going to be the helmet being taken off, but we won't see what's underneath. Oh, okay, that's interesting. I'm still with the helmet stays on. All right, three different that's opinions. Where that's where I've been all along. It wouldn't surprise me. I think that would be the boldest move. Honestly, I think that would be like the defining characteristic. And it would also, I mean, in my opinion, it would make Pedro Pascal an absolute hero to to be willing to do a tentpole show like this and not show his face. That would be amazing. Yeah. Be like Hugo Weaving in V for Vendetta. Yeah. Except good. But that movie was good. So shut up. Except good. So shut up. See, I, I see. I, I wouldn't uh, necessarily uh, assign credit to Pedro Pascal simply for the you're decision right. Screw that guy. To, f- simply for the decision not to take the for for the creative decision not to take the helmet off. However, I already do give him credit not not for that particular decision, but because the acting and it's part him and it's part cinematography and whatnot, but they have managed to create uh, and and give personality to the character without a face, right? Yeah, uh, and that's through his physicality, his uh, I guess voiceover, um, and and just through the plot and like I said, cinematography. Yeah. But the way I'm thinking is um, we don't know 100% what the Mandalorian culture, religion, way of life, philosophy, whatever it is, is. We, we, get, we, get, a, we get glimpses of it. But it seems like he's made some compromises, or at least he's making some compromises. In, I mean, he basically you know, did what he did to rescue Yoda. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he didn't take into account that he was compromising the the uh mandalorians on that planet i don't think he was com- i don't think I, I think it's it looked like from what was going on is that he broke the code of the guild of the the of the bandit bounty hunting bounty guild. hunting guild right. but he wasn't consciously trying to enlist the help of the other mandalorians they're the ones that decided to do that on his behalf sure but what i'm getting at is that he's you know as the series starts, he's a bounty hunter and he's a Mandalorian. Right. 
Well, he sacrificed the bounty hunter part of that a bit already. I think he, I think he is the bounty hunted now. Well, yeah, he's got a he's going to have a price on his head. Um, uh, how much more is he going to compromise? One of the things we know about oh. the Mandalorians is that they never take their helmet off. Yeah, yeah. I think he's going to take his helmet off. I think it's going to be his choice to do it. Yeah. I think that's going to happen. We'll find out yeah. eventually. Okay. So I'm honestly now out of uh, questions. Out of questions and, and about comments that. on that show. Well, uh, anybody have any last uh, thoughts they want to voice for this episode? Mm. Just uh, I'm super, super engaged and uh, just on the edge of my seat for several, actually, I think three TV shows right now. It's uh, well, not even three, four. I mean, The Mandalorian. I have to I have to put Mandalorian as much as I like it. I have to put it number four right now for me. I'm, I am just on the edge of my seat for Watchmen, uh, His Dark Materials, and uh, Mister Robot, and uh, I just am just at a place where all week long I'm I'm watching and rewatching and redditing and and uh, it's a crazy place. Uh, I mean. Two HBO series, uh, one USA series. I'm I'm uh, gonna be pretty sad when it wraps up, but it's uh, I mean it's a groundbreaking TV show that's uh, just about to uh, conclude. And it's in uh, its last season, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, the His Dark Material series, I'll say I, I've just gotten into, and I've never I've never been familiar with the source material before, and uh, uh, that one's got me wrapped, just on the edge of my seat uh, uh the pacing is a bit slower uh than a lot of people like but uh apparently it's, i think it's supposed to be a 14 or 16 episode season so that's that's why and uh um the watchmen i've never i've never been into before either but i did watch the movie uh after seeing the first episode and uh um it's a it's a really interesting retelling they've They've done some. Uh, they've done a bottle episode already, and uh, um, I mean, there's just some really exciting, innovative stuff going on uh, in these TV episodes. For example, in the final season uh, of Mister Robot, they've already done two. I would almost call it experimental episodes, if not uh, just pure sort of craft and art sort of episodes. Um, I think did we mention I think we mentioned the zero dialogue episode. Did we did we talk about that? Mm. There was an entire episode of Mr. Robot, a full one hour T V episode that uh had no dialogue uh between the first scene and the last scene of the show. Uh, which is kind of a groundbreaking I think something that's probably never been done before on T V. And the most recent one, uh Actually, last week's, not the most recent, but the second most recent was a full uh, one-hour program, commercial-free, that was done in the uh, style of a uh, like a stage production uh, with Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 kind of thing. And uh, so they're doing some really interesting and, and I, I, I sort of say like evocative production stuff, but it's, it's really... Uh, yeah, I think that's the kind of stuff that I like where it's 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 
I hate to overuse the word overuse the word, but bold. Yeah. You know, we're gonna do something that's not typical of a of a series, that sort of thing. And 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 not necessarily the oh, it's the musical episode, which every show yeah. does nowadays, but yeah. Then if you're uh if you're into the Watchmen at all, it's interesting they uh they're running a uh I don't know it's not exactly an alternate uh, reality game. It's or augmented reality game, uh, but they're running a side by side blog. Uh, um, essentially, the blog material on a weekly basis sort of half primes you and half spoils the next episode, if that's your kind of thing. So you can kind of like get ahead of what's going on. Uh, I haven't been doing that, but I've been uh, listening to uh, another podcast where they've sort of discussed a little bit and. Uh, um, I just have more TV than I can handle right now. Even it's crazy. So what you're saying is that uh, life after Game of Thrones is uh, pretty good so far. Yeah, yeah. So far, uh, uh, HBO's making it hard to uh, drop the subscription because uh, even even once these shows, current shows are over, uh, it looks like uh, it looks like the uh, Westworld's about to start up again. Which Westworld was probably my favorite show, other than Game of Thrones, uh, until this year. So, cool. Yeah, good. How about you, Jamie? Well, after Thanksgiving, I uh, got a bunch of running to do. Uh, I'm in training for the 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 main event, which for me is all about the Dopey Challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that. Why? Why do they call it the Dopey Challenge? That you have to be an idiot to do it. No, that's the idiot challenge. That's oh, a separate thing. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> you get dope. You have to be willing to spend a lot of money, go to Disney World, and do a lot of running, and get a bunch of medals, and um, be content with that. Yes, that makes you dopey. Or in my case, perfectly dopey, because I've done it for the last six years. As opposed to my dopey challenge, which is something entirely different. (laughs) Yes. (coughs) Wink. (laughs) Yeah, that made it better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Any last words from anyone? um, I forget. All right. Yippee-ki-yay, Mr. Falcon. <laughs> Mr. Falcon. <laughs> uh, I got to take a dump. Peace out.